We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, live with the one and only, as they say, Michael J. Focci. Michael J. Focci. Hey. Feels good to be in person, Alex. Yeah. I mean, guys, if you're watching this right now, I don't know when the next time you're going to see this, but this is our very first episode in person. Man, I, I've been hyped up for this for quite some time. <laughs> it's a little bit different. We're at this sketchy um, hotel that Focci's wife Hooked up for him here. Yeah, babe, come on. You could have done a little bit better than this. Yeah. I mean, this place is sketch. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're here. Yeah, they don't even have water here for Fachi. Yeah. The, the water fountain's like putting out green stuff. But um, with that being said, we met last night for the first time at the Pacers game. So we're recording this Thursday night um, before Fachi heads back to New Jersey. But, yeah, it was a really cool moment. We uh, had never met, like we said, 500-plus episodes in. And uh, we're just like, all right, let's do it. And uh, sure enough, Fachi, I, I'm sitting in the main concourse waiting for Fachi to come there so I can just meet him. He sees me from a distance. And what did you do, Fachi? That I did. I started just kind of fist bumping him a little bit. <laughs> saying, like, I'm still like, I don't know, 100, 200 feet away at the time. But uh, it was a lot further than that. It was like a football <laughs> field, probably, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this guy out. He's as tall as can be. I mean, when he's sitting down, you know, you know, you think you're on the same level. All of a sudden, I'm looking up to this guy, you know. But at, at the same point, it w- it was awesome, you know. Yeah. Start to think, hey, what, what, what are we gonna say? You know, I mean, how's it gonna be in person? But I think Alex can realize I, I am who he thought I was, and <laughs> and that's just what you get with me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, I told some buddies, I said Fachi is as authentic as you think he is on the podcast. It's that's just who he is. So it was kind of cool, like. You never know what you're going to expect, right? When you meet somebody for the first time, it's a little bit odd. Like, I was like, 
kind of nervous, right? And my wife makes fun of me because I have this like nervous habit where I itch my nose like this for whatever reason. And so last night when I was telling her about that's like, oh, I was itching my nose like crazy. I was going back and forth like super fast and she started cracking up. But I really wasn't that nervous. It was kind of just like, hey, it's pretty cool. And uh, we, we got some food, you know, we got some wings on the, uh, that was suggested to Fachi on, mm-hmm. on Twitter in uh, section 103 of the club level. Very good wings, by yeah. the way, on, on that suggestion. Yeah, sweet chili. So we both guys, so they're fantastic. We sat there for the first half. And, and then at the halftime, we actually ended up meeting some of our listeners. and uh, That was awesome. Super cool, got some pictures. And then uh, during the third quarter, we did kind of have to skip out on that a little bit because we were talking to people still and then went down to the gift shop to get Fachi this nice polo. How to uh, do it, how to get it. <laughs> Got another, uh, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pacer, right. collab. I didn't even think that was a thing. It is a thing now. So. Kind of had to have it. Yeah. So, uh, or, yeah, it was kind of on the fence. This guy pushed me into it. He's like, oh, I think you need to get that. You know, was, in Indiana once, I, man. Like, you haven't been here since 2014? Yeah, yeah, it has been quite so. some time. You would have thought this guy was working for the team store the way yeah, that. maybe I am. You know, the way I kept throwing stuff in the bag, I was like, all right, well, there we go. <laughs> I, I needed it. I guess. Yeah, so we get back probably with like three minutes left in the third. So it was a long third quarter. We missed quite a bit of it. We hated that, but uh, we did get to check the fourth out. It was a really fun game, and so you know we went back. Obviously, caught up on all the notes that we missed, and uh, you know we were able to hang out with Chris and Eric for a little bit after the game. He took us to a really cool after event where they did a season ticket holder meetup with Miles Turner. Uh, he he invited us to come hang out with him as like his guest of honor in a sense, you know. And I uh, got to chat it up with JJ, Jeremiah Johnson a little bit. And then there was actually some season ticket holders that listened to the show yeah, that cool. came up and talked to us about it. So, you know, it was really nice to be able to communicate with them and get to know them that didn't meet us at halftime. So overall, I think it was just a super fun experience. And, uh, hey, we got to see a heck of a game, even though it came in a loss. That it did. And we're going to have uh, Chris Denary coming up soon to be able to break down all of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no, better, no one better to hear it from than Chris. Um Overall, I think you guys are in for a good one. And Chris had some great insight on the game. Man, a game where the Pacers trailed by 12, yeah. led by 18. It looks like Matherin's going to drop 40. We had a little bit of everything over there. Two-point shy of a career high for Matherin. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Matherin, Fachi. I mean, if I could describe Matherin anyway, I would say in the upper quartile of rookies, Benedict Matherin is in the top quartile of that upper quartile. I mean, it's just he he's it. he's insane. Yeah. 18 points in the second quarter, Flachi. Oh I I can't ever recall a pacer putting that many points up in a quarter. I'm sure it's happened since we've been watching, but the way he was doing it, I mean, he was a man on a mission. He truly was. It didn't matter. What I loved was it, it felt like it was one of those like, well, well, you guard him. Like the Nuggets just started throwing other guys at him. Aaron Gordon steps up, Matherin, boom, pops a three right in his face. Yeah. Contavious Caldwell Pope, you know, steps up. Boom, three right in his face. It was like anyone couldn't have could have got it at any moment. But guys, this is a true story. I thought I was Babe Ruth out here calling my shot. We sat down. I said, I've been in the building for Miles Turner dropping a career high 40. Been in the loss. building for Duarte dropping 30. I said, Alex, I'm telling you, someone's going off tonight. And I think it's Matherin. And and it was so close to a career high. And a lot. Yes, all three of them were losses. Interpret it how you want. But some of these guys around <laughs> in the building, there's something there that makes them want to set a career. Yeah, they put on a show for Fachi and a loss. I mean, so if you guys are looking for playoff Pacers games, we'll make sure Fachi is excommunicated from the building. But uh, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to bring on Chris Denary to break down this Pacers game 
and kind of just get his thoughts on the team overall for the first 11 games. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody. Joining us now on Setting the Pace is the one and only Chris Denary. Chris, good catching up with you at the game last night, but how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah. Hey, uh, to, to be able to see both of you guys together um, and, you know, to see Fachi uh, out in Brooklyn. I've seen Alex at a couple of games or, you know, at a game earlier in the year. But then finally to have you two guys together, it was, it was pretty cool. Chris, I'm everywhere you look now. I mean, it's just I, I was in the building last night. I, I, when you mentioned in Brooklyn, man, it was great to see you again. But just like you mentioned, for everybody that's listening right now, hey, this is Alex and I's first podcast together in yeah. person. So I don't know if I'd ever see the day. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's it is funny how long you guys have done this and you had never met in person. I mean, that's. I think that's quite a testament to your relationship, that your love for Pacers basketball. Uh, and finally, you guys made it happen. Yeah, and I will say this. like, I thought it was going to be kind of weird meeting him for the first time after doing like four years of virtual conversation and you know meeting somebody. And it really hasn't. It's just been kind of normal. It's like we almost just like didn't skip a beat. So uh, it is pretty cool. We got to see a fun game last night, though, Chris, and quite a roller coaster of ups and downs in terms of the lead and stuff like that. But I'm just – you know, walk me through what you saw last night in that second quarter, a monumental moment there for Benedict Mathern after, you know, coming off a game where he probably looked his worst so far as a pacer against the Pelicans on Monday to come up and put 23 points in the first half uh, uh, against the Nuggets. That was just super impressive. You know what it reminded me of, guys? Do you remember one of the first games? I got, I'm sort of pulling out my notebook here. Remember one of the first games last year when Cleveland came to town? Uh, after the trades had been made, it was uh, February the 11th. An explosive first quarter. And yes. The Pacers led by 21 and got beat by seven. And last night's game was very similar, right? Is the Pacers get up by 18, have a dominant second quarter uh, on all cylinders. Benedict Matherin comes out and is on fire. Um, and, you know, then I thought it was a testament of veteran team took care of business on the road. I, I thought as much as Jokic going out was helpful, I think it also hurt in the third quarter because when Denver went to that zone, it really 
befuddled the Pacers a little bit, right? It slowed them down. They didn't get the same type of shots that they got in the second quarter and the third quarter. But I think the second quarter shows us what this team can be about. And a lot of it was triggered by the second unit. It was TJ McConnell. It was Matherin. Um, You know, those guys did a really good job of running the floor and getting some easy baskets. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the, The whole night, even with the loss, was a lot of fun. I thought the atmosphere was great. I think people have really identified with this team. Uh, I listened to talk radio. I was mowing the lawn today and people were calling in about how much fun this team is to watch. So, you know, hopefully that carries over as the year goes on and you're able to, to close out those games. But I will say, if you look at this homestand, all three games, the Pacers had to close things out late. Um, you know, Miami, they had to withstand the three by Tyler Hero. I thought New Orleans made it interesting on Monday and the Pacers were able to keep them at arm's length. And then you give up the lead and lose to Denver. You're not going to win every one of those games. So um, I think it would be a little concerning if they had lost both the Miami and New Orleans game, but they didn't. They won those two games. Um, So a lot of fun and uh, it, it continues to be a lot of fun to call the games. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about the late game execution over the last couple of games, it just shows the Pacers, are, they're further along than maybe many thought, but they're not quite there yet. But this was a game that the Pacers had opportunities to close out. Talk about trailed by 12, led by 18. But in the end, you know, a couple of, couple of you know, mental mistakes or a couple of technical fouls here and there. Do you think the officiating might have had a little bit of an impact on this game at the end? Because there's a couple of things that probably shouldn't have been called. Yeah, I was a little surprised, you know, looking back at even at the Matherin technical, I, I really, you know, he flexed, but I didn't think he, in my opinion, I didn't think he taunted uh, the other player, but he got a technical foul. Um, the Rick thing, you know, at first I thought maybe they called it on Buddy Heald because he inadvertently bumped into the official, but I think Jokic had a hand in that. He was pointing the whole time like that Rick Carlisle was out of the coaching box. Well, look at all NBA games. I mean, Rick spends three quarters of the game down by the timeline and all of a sudden you're going to call a technical foul on him. Um, But I I thought turnovers hurt. Uh, The Pacers gave up 26 points off turnovers. Um, I think some of their decision-making, some of the shots that they took were not the same shots uh, that they took earlier in the game. And I'm of the opinion, you guys have watched a lot of games over the years is You get to a certain point, if you can get that 18-point lead to 25, I think the game's over. Because there's a certain point where the other team's on a road trip, they've got Boston on Friday, Michael Malone clears the bench, okay, it's over. But they couldn't get to that point. That's when Contavious Caldwell-Pope hit those threes. Um, And all of a sudden, an 18-point game is nine. Now it's very winnable for Denver. So I think that was a big key them doing all of those things without Jokic on the floor. And then you worried once they brought Jokic back that he might be a problem. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about it today. It's like, how did Jokic lead the Nuggets in field goal attempts last night with the foul trouble that he had? I mean, it was kind of remarkable the fact that he did that. And this was a game the Pacers, you know, they looked like they were going to get beat early on. I mean, after the first quarter, it just felt like the Nuggets were too good. And then Matherin has that incredible uh, second quarter, as well as Isaiah Jackson. I mean, Isaiah Jackson, probably under the radar a little bit, but I thought last night was one of his better games of the season as well. 
uh, with how active he was and how different this team looks when he plays. But, um, you know, I'm curious your thoughts because late game situations, it's uh, it's always going to be tough. We know that you could have called time out there if you're the Pacers. Maybe you decide to go like Rick did and, and let them play it out. But, you know, Miles taking a very tough shot like that's probably not the look you want. So uh, Matherin had the hot hand that night. Is that a situation where you're wanting Matherin to kind of have the ball in his hands later? Or would you rather Tyrese have it in his hands, Chris? Well, I think it's I think it's a work in progress. I mean, I, I I look back to think about this guys now. I think they've lost three games: the first game with Washington, San Antonio, and this one at home, with chances to tie near or at the buzzer, right? And one of the times they took a timeout and Matherin got really not a very good shot. Mm-hmm. So I think that plays into it. Is that I was surprised that Jokic even shot the basketball because on on air, I was saying, well, you got to foul him, right? I mean, you, it's a three-point game. You've got to foul him. And it looked like they tried to foul him. And I don't know what Jokic was doing. And the Pacers looked to have an advantage, give Denver credit they got back. And at that point, it's sort of chaos time. And sometimes it works to your advantage and sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, the other piece is back to your officiating question. If it's a two-point game, Halliburton might have taken that all the way to the rim, uh, but you had to go for the three. So I don't have a problem. I, I think you see more and more coaches opting not to call timeout and letting their players make a play within the flow of the game. It, it was definitely one of those hindsight's 2020 because hey, we make that shot right over there. Everyone's thinking that's the perfect thing to do. Afterwards, obviously, we can say other stuff, but – one thing I thought in the Pelicans game, they went with a very condensed rotation. You're talking about nine players log minutes. Terry Taylor, one of the nine, plays a couple. So it's basically eight players. This game, we saw the rotation open up a bit. So we saw 11 players actually log minutes. You got Gogo with seven, O'Shea with 12, Neesmith with 22. Uh, did you prefer more of a condensed rotation? Because when you look at it, it look, kind of looked like Matherin could have used a little bit more minutes in the second half compared to, you know, what he got in the first. Yeah, think about it. He had 30 points in almost 25 minutes. Um, I don't mind I don't mind having the rotation a little deeper. I think we saw some rust, though. Uh, you know, Neesmith had missed four games out with the foot. Um, he was 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 3 from 3. I mean, he's out there for defensive reasons, but you need him to hit some shots. And, you know, Goga has shown some good things this year. It, it was not a good game for Goga. Um, his six minutes and 39 seconds were not very productive. And he had not played. He had a couple DNPs. He had not played till the fi- till, since that final game that you were at, Fachi, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So he looked, to me, very rusty and unsure of himself. And, uh, you know, the only way you can – you know, not have that is you got to play in games. I mean, Quinn made the comment on on TV is that, you know, practice, as much as practice is valued, it's still not the same as playing in a game. And so I, I just thought the game was really fast for him last night. And, um, you know, they made the decision with both Turner and Jackson in foul trouble that they were going to go to Goga. And, and Goga's delivered some decent minutes this year. Last night just was not one of those. I brought him up earlier, and that was Isaiah Jackson and, and kind of the game that he had. And I was listening back to uh, some of the highlights and you know the alley-oop that Isaiah Jackson had from T.J. McConnell where he caught it with his left hand and just soared above the rim. I think Andrew Nimhart had a really nice move as well where he kind of you know su- suckered the defense into him a little bit and then hit Isaiah with a little lob there. 
towards the Pacers bench. I mean, just talking about these point guards with their chemistry with Isaiah Jackson, I mean, this is something that we're not used to seeing, Chris. We're not used to seeing a lob threat type of player. No. How how much different does having not just three really good point guards, but also having a guy like Isaiah Jackson really help, you know, change the pace of how this play, uh, this Pacers team can play? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that helps you out on the perimeter, right, when you're shooting threes because you, ha- you have to worry about, you know, somebody like Jackson inside. And to that point, I, I thought – I thought Miles showed some things last night in the post. I mean, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, you can say Jokic had a big fourth quarter, but I thought Miles had some pretty impressive stops. He went chest to chest with him. And that's really something that we haven't seen a lot of from Miles. Uh, But I do think the Pacers are in in maybe the best shape. I'd have to think about this. Um, the best shape from a point guard position that they've been in in some time. I mean, I go back when they had – Veterans like Darren Collison and Corey Joseph, they're solid, right? They're solid point guards, but they're not doing the thing. They weren't doing the things that we're seeing from Halliburton and McConnell and even Nemhard when he's in. So uh, I just think that's a huge asset. I mean, uh, I, I think it was uh, – I, I, I get lost in all the games now, but it might have been the New Orleans game where um, – yeah, it was the New Orleans game. Matherin was really struggling, and Halliburton beat – the guy on the wing and threw the alley-oop to him, he came down the the baseline and dunked it. I mean, those are just things that, honestly, we've not seen from Pacers basketball. And I think that's why um, they're so fun to watch because they they play with an athleticism that this franchise has not played with in some time. They have more guys that can do it. And then you have a guy like Isaiah Jackson, as you said. My wife said last night watching the game when I got home, she goes, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody get up that high. And he did it with his left hand. That's what was remarkable about that play. And it's funny because it's so small. But Isaiah put the ball through his legs and had maybe, what, Alex, what, an 8-foot, 10-foot jumper Uh, on the side? Yeah, it was probably 12. Maybe it was 12 feet. And that (laughs) impressed me almost just as much as Alley because – that's that next level of his game that I think that we're all waiting for is can the guy score outside of the post? I mean, while it's just one play, I mean, is that what you feel is the next step for Isaiah moving forward as an NBA, you know, every night rotation guy? Yeah, because he also like, he hit a free throw line jumper or, mm-hmm. you know, at the, you've got to be able to do that to 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 make the defense honest, to, to give you more of an opportunity to get to the rim. So, yeah, I thought last night, 17 and 10. Uh, he's he's had two double doubles now. He's had an eighteen and ten game um, in the Washington game. Um, yeah, I, I I do think that 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 will be essential for him moving forward. He's he has to be more than an athlete receiving alley oops, and I think he is. Again, he's young. He's twenty what twenty years old. Um, he's the the great thing about this group is they've probably you know they're five and six. There's a bunch of five and six teams in the East. They could have been six and five. They probably, from a record standpoint, are better than what most people would have thought uh, because I don't think anybody saw them winning those back-to-back games in Washington and Brooklyn. Um, so they're probably a little bit ahead of, ahead of schedule from that standpoint. But I think the upside with all these guys is just huge. And, and that's what's fascinating. Yeah, last one for me here, Chris, in, in terms of – this team 11 games into the season you kind of hinted at it like yeah they are probably better than what we expected record-wise but seeing this team I mean we talked after the first couple of games that the San Antonio game we talked after that one 
And we weren't sure how many wins they were going to get because that San Antonio game felt like a team they should have beat on paper pretty handily. And it was not a good uh, performance from them. But for them to kind of bounce back, learn from those mistakes, and really kind of show like, hey, they can hang with the best of the best. I mean, I know this team isn't probably like a, a playoff contending team right now, but you know, from what you've seen through 11 games, what's maybe one or two things that's like really stuck out, uh, stuck out to you about this team compared to maybe some of the other teams? Well, I, I think the one thing is we've seen them get down um, in oftentimes big, especially what seven times in the first quarter, they've trailed by double figures, but they battle back. I mean, uh, you know, those first two road games in Philly and Chicago, they had uh, big deficits that they fought back from. Um, so I, I think that's that's impressive is, is that there there's no quit in them. Um, I think, again, I go back to that back-to-back in D.C. and Brooklyn because after that first homestand, you got to win. You, you felt like you should have beaten San Antonio and even go back to Washington. So you're one and two. You're looking at a road trip that on paper is very difficult. You know, Philly, Chicago, Washington, Brooklyn twice. And you're able to get two wins. Because before that, before that, you were thinking, you know, this team's one and two. Where's a win? And then if you don't win on that road trip and you come back, Miami, New Orleans, Denver, where's a win? You know, that's what you start thinking about probably as fans. I don't think the players think that, but I think all of us do. And so uh, I just think those two back-to-back wins, um, you know, gave this team a bunch of confidence um, that, that, that they could do that. Um, you know, Miles had the big game um, in Washington. I, I think I had it wrong. Isaiah had the big game in Brooklyn, in, in Brooklyn game one, when he had the double-double. So, um, no, I, I, I just think you want to continue to see them grow. Uh, we are seeing in crunch time situations, Matherin and Nemhard are on the floor. You're talking about two rookies that have now played 11 and 10 games, and they're on the floor when you're in winning time. Uh, you're not going to see that very much across the league, right? You just don't see that. So I think it's just about growth. I think this team believes it can win games. And, uh, you know, it's just from from what I can gather and, and in talking to people within the organization, they say it's a very close group, um, that they truly are bonded together, the young guys. But then you've got the veterans, the McConnells, the Turners, the Buddies, um, they really like, they all get along and they like each other and they're rooting for each other. So that can go a long way. And, um, you know, Toronto will be tough on Saturday. And then you go uh, for two, uh, uh, Charlotte and Houston are both struggling. Um, and then you come back and you've got the two with Orlando, Minnesota, Brooklyn, and then you go west for seven. Um, that that's That's a difficult... Uh, challenge in of itself but I think it's 13 days on the road so you know we'll we'll be able to assess things really about this team I think you know sometime around you know the turn of the year about what this team is and and how it is but I just I'm I'm envisioning the future and I think the future looks pretty good yeah, it really does. And I'm trying to not get carried away. But right after that Toronto game, the schedule does look a bit softer. But just like you mentioned, that seven-game road trip, it's striking fear to me. It, it really is. But one player in the last question I want to talk about is one guy that's been a little bit hot and cold right now, Jalen Smith. I really thought the Pelicans game was going to be kind of that performance that he needed. Had 15 and 11. Thought he was awesome. Last night against Denver, you know, left a little bit more to be desired. 
Uh, there, there's been some inconsistency so far in the season. We're just 11 games in. Does it worry you at all? Because the sample size was a bit small coming in last year as a pacer, roughly 22 games of really producing when he hadn't had that same opportunity in Phoenix. Yeah, I think his, I think his rebounding has been fine. I mean, he had five last night, which yep. he only played 18 minutes. Um, you know, he's not on the floor in the crunch situation because that's when Matherin's out there with the other four starters right now. At least that's how they're they're playing it right now. No, I mean, he's young, and and they truly believe in him, and he believes in the organization. I mean, that's why he stayed. I think, you know, we, we could have done this podcast back in May and June, and I don't think anybody – any of us thought he was coming back, that there would be plenty of other opportunities, but he saw this as he felt his best chance to develop and become a better player. So no, you know, you'd like to see him be a little bit more consistent. Um, you know, he hit two of five from three last night. So that's, that's 40%. I mean, you'll take that. Um, I think he'll be fine. I mean, he had that four game stretch. that was really strong. He averaged a double, double, then had a three game stretch where he struggled. I mean, that's what's going to happen to these young guys you know, especially in this league, just because of, you know, the veterans that you have to go against. I mean, you know, Jeff Green's been doing this for 14 or 15 years. He still and, got it. And, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he had a dunk last night that at 35 or 36 years old, I wasn't sure he could get off the floor like that. <laughs> dunk so like that's back 15 years. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Jalen Smith is still young, but he's going to go up against some talented veterans that are going to teach you a few lessons each night. And so that, harms your consistency uh, because as Quinn says, Hey, the other guys are pros too, right? They're, they're, they're trying to win a game. So uh, sometimes you have to tip your hat to them. It's more about their good than it is about your bad. Yeah, I, I completely agree there, Chris. So uh, that's, uh, that's all I have for you about this game and, and the team right now, but uh, let everybody know where they can find you out on social media and uh, maybe plug anything that you'd like to plug. Yeah, uh, at Kristenary on Twitter, uh, I do have the blue check. I I don't hey, I don't know if, I don't know if now. I have to I don't know if I have to pay for that coming up or if <laughs> if, I, if I'm cleared. I don't know. So uh, that's where I am. Uh, Facebook, you can find me as well, Kristenary. Um, I'm on Instagram, but I probably don't go there enough. My kids always tell me you got to go to Instagram, Dad. You got to you got to go to Instagram. But I'm I guess I'm more of a, a Twitter person just from the standpoint that. Um, I use that as as my newsfeed, right? I mean, I've got lists built and and, and I, you know categorized by Pacers media, which you guys are a part of, and NBA media and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Twitter is probably the best place to find me. Absolutely, Chris, you're a class act. I appreciate you. It was great seeing you in person once again, and thanks again for coming on the show as always. All right, thanks, Fachi. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Chris. All right, Flachi, Chris, and Ari, thanks so much for joining us. Obviously, you couldn't do video with us, but uh, it was still cool to have him on and, uh, you know, just really appreciate him taking us kind of under his wing and, you know, giving us a little bit of a tour of what's going on down at uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Class act Chris, as I like to call him. I mean, this guy is just, you know, just the, the model citizen of the Pacers right over here. I mean, my wife met my Chris and Ari about a week ago, still raving about him. So, and, and Chris was single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, but I mean, as I got to say, I mean, I think I'm in a commercial right now as I'm sipping this Connecticut water right over here. Oh, man. How I can tell you the hype's real. It's real. I came over here 
Sketch Hotel I'm in right now doesn't even offer water, but thank God I got this Connecticut water. Yeah, come on, uh, Amy. What kind of booking did you give Pachi for this extended stay? Come on, man. I, I know. She's uh, trying to go cheap while, uh, you know, she's trying to save money for them Taylor Swift concerts. Yeah, it, must, it must have been. That's yeah. exactly what it is, man. She's uh, she's playing you. We, we see right through it, but he got Connecticut water. Uh, I got it. And uh, it's too hard to pass up. Way too hard. Uh, but he also got a Ben's pretzel. We put a video on uh, social media. Now, someone did reply. They said, you went savory over sweet. What was your choice with going salty over sweet, Botch? I like a good salty pretzel. I mean, I, I do. I okay. do. What I will say, there was a video on Twitter. I felt like the pretzel got better as time went oh, on. Oh, okay. Like the second or third bite it was just better. I thought, yeah. I thought it was... And they're giving you your your money's worth for that. A <laughs> pretzel, that bad boy was big. Yeah. All right? Like, that was, you know, that was like a loaf of bread, it felt like. Yeah, I got the cinnamon sugar one with the white icing just because I'm used to going sweet. Uh, you guys can probably tell I've probably had too many Ben's pretzels in my life. But, uh, you know, Fachi, Fit Fachi, and me over here. Right? I can. But I got to say, Alex, one, one funny thing I guess we'll, we'll, we'll tell them. Yeah. The the lady at Ben's Pretzels. Oh, yeah. I think you're sure. Where did you get one of those? Well, they, we actually created them. You know, that starts driving. Okay. And she leans in, comes over to Corey. You get me one of those shirts, I'll give you free pretzels yeah. next time. It's like, I appreciate it. Much, much different vibes than the people in the uh, gift shop. That was quite the experience. Fachi's checking out. He's got his setting the pastry on. And I was kind of like letting him do his thing. And, they're like, where'd you get that shirt at? And he's like, well, you know, it's our podcast. They go, really? Like, you guys do a podcast? It was like, like the most bizarre thing ever. Like, I mean, I don't care if you don't listen to us. It's whatever. But, like, they acted like it was dumb or weird that we did a podcast about yeah. the Pacers. I don't, I don't understand that. But I, I was like, I'm sorry, miss. What do you have going on? You know? We're working on the team. Yeah. yeah. So I think I said something like, oh, yeah. Like, uh, I think you're like, oh, you flew in for the game. She's like, that's weird. It's like, <laughs> What am I, the first person to ever get on a flight and go to a sporting event? Like, I guess in Indiana, that's surprising. But I don't know. Regardless, I had a blast coming out here. I thought it was great. Hadn't been to the arena since 2014, obviously. That was pre-renovations, so it looked completely different. I thought, guys, I know a lot of you that are listening to this, you're used to it. But I'm telling you, when when you're coming from from out of town, it's a really great arena. It, it yeah. is. So I, I thought the crowd last night was really good. We're talking about a Wednesday night. Yeah, Wednesday night. I mean, I mean, that was like a weekend crowd. If you're talking about you know upper quartile arenas, I think Cambridge Fieldhouse is you know in the top quartile of that upper quartile, Fauci. I can't argue with that. You know, <laughs> but hey, you know, as we're wrapping up over here, I just want to say it was awesome meeting yeah. everybody at the game. Truly, you know. Great stuff, something I won't forget. Putting names and faces, everything you could ask for over here. So everybody that we got a shot to uh, to meet last night, hey, really appreciate you. And I hope I hope that brings you closer to the show. Hey, I met these guys in person, and yeah. they were pretty decent. I hope we work. You know, I mean, I can't speak for me, but I think I was all right. Yeah, so. Fachi is uh, the desired personality of the two of us for our fan base. I don't I don't deny that at all, but. Uh, you know, it was really cool to meet you guys, and, and like I said, we'll we'll try to get together again soon before the year is out, and maybe do another game or something. If Fonchi can find a way to fly out here, but uh, he might want to escape Taylor Swift concerts and come to a game. So might have to might have to get on that next plane <laughs> and you know skip a concert too. Absolutely, but uh, you know, anyway, with that being said, Fonchi, let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the page three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. 
You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Send the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Send the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash setting the pace at Pacers Podcast. Go to google.com and search in setting the pace on YouTube if you can't find it there. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to my article that's weekly on uh, Substack. So it's blueandgolden.substack.com. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be having an article coming out soon. It's just been a hectic week with Fachi and Tennis. I wasn't able to write as much. But with that being said, if you're all aboard the train for Tyrese Halliburton to win the most improved player of the year, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop.